Remember the table mountain scenario and that well-worn phrase that interest rates will be high for longer? What's forgotten about, of course, is the expectation that inflation was transitory because it just keeps going and wages seem to be a big part of the concern now. So how long will it last and will governments and politics get in the way of a protracted period of high interest rates? I'm joined today by the FT's Katie Martin to talk through all that this week on the Weekend Edition. The Morning Call from NAB with Phil Dobby. The Weekend Edition. Well, the uh, the usual disclaimer applies. Even though this is a NAB podcast, you are actually listening to two people who don't actually work for NAB. So the views don't necessarily reflect the views of the bank. Uh, it's all just part of this free-flowing discussion that we like to have on the weekend. Now, in the UK... The Bank of England chief economist, you might remember Hugh Peel, has told everyone to expect Table Mountain when it comes to interest rates. That's old news now, of course. We might have reached the summit. Perhaps we haven't. But when we get there, we can expect to stay up there for quite a while. It's no Matterhorn. And it's not just the UK, uh, just about everywhere else. The mantra is that we're going to stay higher. Maybe not much higher, but it's going to be for longer. Uh, we are a long way from those COVID days when we talked about a V-shaped recovery. Remember that? Or at worst, a U-shaped recovery. And in fact, maybe the recovery was too fast. And that is part of the problem that we are now fighting with inflation. But can central banks sustain high rates for a long time? Or will economies feel they hurt so much in the process that maybe politics gets in the way. So to discuss this and the general lay of the land when it comes to global markets and central banks, I'm joined today on the weekend edition by Katie Martin, who's markets editor at the FT in London. So Katie, welcome. Table Mountain, incidentally, is three kilometres long. Uluru in Australia is about the same length, but half the height. We've got Bank of England rates at five point five and a quarter percent The RBA is at just 4.1%. So I can't help wondering how topographically inspired central banks are being here. Uh, so, you know, we, we've, got a, we've got a long mountain, but it's not as, not as tall. So maybe the central bank in Australia thinks it can get away with slightly lower rates. You are demonstrating a much better knowledge of the shape of various hills, mountains <laughs> and rocks around the world than I can... <laughs> Than I can muster. <laughs> but I kind of feel Hugh Pill was just looking out the window for inspiration, wasn't he, when he when he talked about that? But but anyway, the higher for longer mantra. I mean, um, we we are stuck with that everywhere. It seems. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's had a really difficult time, kind of figuring out what shape this mountain is going to be over the past few months, and. Um, it, it, it really is dawning on people that, and it's weird because in a, in a way this has been obvious for quite a long time. But you know that that old period that we were used to, the great moderation, low stable inflation, low ish stable ish interest rates, it's gone, mm. and it's finally dawning on people that they have to let go of that idea, and and that's why um, you are seeing a bit of a kind of recalibration in 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 markets right now. I think is that this this message is really sinking in um yeah the the uk has clearly got clearly got an issue we've had some new gdp numbers out the economy hasn't had a great summer one-off factors you know very british factors strikes terrible weather but still yeah, yeah. um y- you know that the- none of which is surprising <laughs> but, but but also i mean uh, you know the, the the wage is still an issue as well and that then that is actually quite common as well in many parts of the world they are just not coming down yeah, exactly. And and the sort of the the really tricky thing that the Bank of England has got to deal with at this point is essentially me. So I'm one of those people who's on a nice no, low mortgage rate mm. and I'm not really feeling the pain of the interest rate rises that we've seen so far. 
my meager pot of you know savings on deposit have been gathering a higher and higher interest rate this whole time um but at some point next year i'm going to flip onto my new mortgage and that's really going to hurt and so the bank of england's hands are tied somewhat in that if inflation just durably will not go away it's very difficult for the bank of england to, to tackle that without absolutely nuking the household finances of thousands and thousands of people like me so and that then gets down to the whole speed of transmission argument doesn't it you know which yeah. is uh, which is why perhaps you know the us is doing rather better because people aren't falling off the cliff quite so quickly there compared to uh, to other countries. And in, in Australia, you know, much shorter term, uh, you know, people tend to be on more variable rates there. So the speed of transmission is, is, is that much faster. I wonder whether that's why the RBA thinks it can get away with a lower rate because monetary policy happens that much faster. Uh, uh, yeah, quite possibly. And where the speed of transmission really is very quick is the Eurozone, mm. where financing is much more often bank, short-term bank loan based. And so that that bit of the transmission mechanism is is pretty immediate in in the eurozone and that is why you're seeing economies like it's one of the reasons at least why you're seeing economies like german germany starting to roll over you know it's got a bunch of issues um you know the the whole region's proximity to to ukraine and to the energy crisis there is, is obviously not helpful germany's got another particular weight coming from from china but but in addition, you, you really can see the impact of these rate rises really starting to bite in, in the eurozone. And there's, um, you know, that that economy really is in a, in, a, in a difficult spot. And that's one of the reasons why European stock markets, you know, they had a great start to the year, but they've really run out of steam because there's it just feels like growth is leaking out of, of, of that part of the world. And, and the US is just storming ahead. But if growth is is leaking out, I mean, why would you keep on lifting rates? I mean, I mean, it would obviously it would take a very brave central bank right now to drop rates like Poland has just done yeah. uh, by 75 basis points. Not, you know, not a little bit, but down to six percent with an inflation rate that's still over 10 percent. Uh, that is a uh, a very brave move. But um, I mean, the part of the argument they're giving is that, well, they're seeing the economy slowing and so yeah. they can afford to do it. Yeah, Poland. I mean, no one saw that one coming, and and brave is one word for it. I've heard various other words applied to it from <laughs> other people that I've been speaking to, but yeah, they went for seventy-five basis points. The market was looking for, you know, a pretty humdrum twenty-five, and uh, yeah, they decided to go big or go home, and and they uh, they went seventy-five basis points, and you know that. There's a there's a few ways of, of looking at that. You know, one is that effectively they are saying exactly uh, as you were suggesting. You know that they can see a lower growth trajectory coming down the pipe. They are a kind of, if you like, a high beta version of Germany. It's kind of you know, mm. um, you know, German economy with lots of coffee inside it, and and, and effectively you get you get Poland, and um, and uh, and so they were saying you know we, we've got to get ahead of this and and uh, we've got to deal with a new economic reality. The other possibility is there's elections coming up in Poland. You know, is it necessarily helpful to have um, super high interest rates running into an election cycle? Mm. Um, so there's some disagreement over really what the main motivation for the Polish central bank was there. But also, it's really worth bearing in mind, you know, emerging market central banks were well ahead of the game on the inflation problem. They saw this thing coming. They didn't muck about. They raised interest rates uh, much faster, much much earlier than the developed market central banks. 
Poland could be a test case for what happens when you do start to see growth rolling over and you feel like you have to move quickly in the other direction. Now, obviously, these kind of long-awaited um, cuts that everyone's been talking about from the Fed, for example, or from the Bank of England, they're just not here yet, guys. No. <laughs> they're not, they're well, it not seems, it's, um, well, again, back to Table Mountain, doesn't it? We just, we've just got off the cable car as far as that's concerned by the looks of it. But, <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, well, we're possibly still in the cable car in the UK's case. But, I mean, it's... Uh, um, but this idea that, well, maybe you're going to be dragged down by another economy. So that's the Polish argument. You know, we're, they, we're very reliant on yeah. German ex, the German export market. If Germany's heading into recession, uh, then we're going to suffer the consequences of that. Well, I mean, you could be saying the same thing for Germany, couldn't you? you know, we're very reliant on China. China's having yeah. a slowdown. The rest of Europe could be saying, well, we're reliant on Germany. Germany's having a slowdown. Uh, so, I mean, they could all be using exactly the same argument to say, well, we shouldn't be lifting interest rates. And in fact, you know, maybe we're over the worst of it right now. Yeah, it's a good point. And one thing that really strikes me is that the, the Chinese slowdown and the Chinese failure to kind of, you know, shoot to the moon after the COVID restrictions were lifted. That's been seen, you know, very much as a as a China problem, as an EM problem. I am seeing it start to leak much more now into commentary around, you know, potential problems for the global economy. And, you know, at what point do we start to see the China slowdown as a much bigger issue for a lot of uh, developed economies? You know, again, Germany could be a bit of a test case uh, there. But at the moment, it really feels like investors are looking for things to worry about, whereas a few weeks ago, they were looking for reasons to be cheerful. They had, something in the water has definitely changed. Yeah, maybe it's the weather, maybe, <laughs> the, that you talked about. But I mean, uh, what do, I mean, it, politics is going to play. I mean, fortunately, there's not too many general elections coming up next year, actually, in the West. Most of them are, are 2025. I mean, New Zealand's got one next month, actually. So that'll that'll be interesting, But because uh, they've got the, the opposition opposition leader there who's promising to reduce the cost of living and uh, getting inflation under control but without actually necessarily saying how he's going to do that <laughs> uh, and the problem is of course the first thing politicians want to do is to lower taxes and, and uh, right now that would be the worst thing to do wouldn't it because you all that's going to do is boost consumption add to the inflation problem so it's a tough time to be a politician right now your hands are pretty it's tied it's a tough time to be a politician it's a tough time to be um, to be a central banker and it's a really tough time to be in financial markets, you know, I was chatting to, um, you know, a, a couple of uh, analysts who I've known for a number of years yesterday, and they were saying, you know, they're almost embarrassed to go to their clients at the moment because they've been saying, you know, there's a recession coming, there's a recession coming, get ready for a US recession and for US rate cuts, get ready for the S&P to have a really bad year. And like so many other people, they just got it wrong everyone called this year wrong and and that makes it really difficult to keep pressing the case that you know okay i know i've been wrong for the past nine months but trust me i'm right this time <laughs> these these interest rate rises are going to start biting markets they're going to start biting the economy um it's a really tricky tricky spot to to be in but you know some really big investors do remain convinced that you know just when everyone is taking their eye off the ball and saying, okay, maybe this recession call is wrong, that's the time to really worry. And so maybe that's kind of about now. Yeah. So you think there could still be a recession in the United States then? Well, I said on another podcast, stupidly, I was pushed to, to put, uh, put a timing on this. And I oh, that's said... A good, that, that, that can be my next question. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I bet, bet a colleague a beer that it wouldn't be till... Did I say third or fourth quarter next year? But I went long. Right, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've got to own one end in of the, the curve here. So in the hope that everyone will have forgotten by then. <laughs> in the hope that everyone will have forgotten, yeah. Or if I'm right, I'll look absolutely heroic. Um, so, um, yeah, there's every 
possibility that this this doesn't land for a long time but there's you know another key feature of markets at the moment from from where i'm sitting is that there's very low levels of conviction and that's one of the reasons why you're just seeing stupid flip-floppy moves Mm. in 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 stocks and fixed income and you're sort of constantly chasing trying to fit a narrative around what's happening and then it flips the other direction um it's a very uncomfortable place to be if you're managing other people's money yeah absolutely and currencies as well i mean this strength that we're seeing in the in the u.s dollar because of this supposed you know recession-proof Goldilocks haven that we all seem to believe that the US is right now. And so we're seeing that strength. I mean, the Aussie dollar, for example, was nudging 69 cents to the dollar in uh, June and July. It's now down to 64. But I mean, everyone is down because the US dollar is doing so well. And that is, of course, making imports more expensive, which pushes up inflation. Exactly. And then add the uh, rising oil price, you know, the elephant in the room. So inflation isn't beaten yet, is it? Oh, heavens no, no, no. And I, I mean, I'm totally sort of speculating here, but I wonder how far we are from some sort of official statement around dollar strength. Because, you know, as you say, it it is causing problems around import prices. It is a potential kind of input into inflation dynamics in various countries around the world. It's, It's causing headaches from, you know, Japan and China to, you know, everywhere. Um, you, you have to wonder how much tolerance there is for that. Yeah, you do. So what could happen, do you think? I mean, it's not beyond, beyond the realm's possibility that some sort of international forum, you know, something like, you know, G20, G7 will talk about in vague terms, you know, like like we used to see a decade or so ago about, you know, stability in currency markets being important. You know, you might just start to see a little bit of pushback against what's happening. I mean, maybe the world's got bigger fish to, to, to fry at the moment, um, but it does just feel like the dollar is a little bit of a, a wrecking ball. And again, mm. it doesn't matter how, you know, so many people have said, this thing's going to turn around on its own, don't worry. And it just doesn't do that. <laughs> um, you know, y- you just have to wonder how much tolerance there is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, maybe it turns if the United States says, well, actually, we have got to the end of Table Mountain now. Uh, we, we're waiting <laughs> we're about for the to next. Drop ca- off the other side. <laughs> we're about <laughs> yeah. to get on the next cable car down. Uh, you know, we're, the moment they, they, they start to lower rates, then the world turns. Yeah. But how long but is that going to take? But again, you know, good luck with that. You know, the, mm. the very clear message that we had from, from Jackson Hole, you know, the, the Symposium of Central Bankers and, and Powell's turn there over the summer was we are – we're not declaring victory over this thing. We, we, it, the worst thing you can do in terms of trying to durably hold inflation down is to say, okay, I, I think we're sorted. Let's get off to the races because then, you know, financial conditions do what they do, and 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 suddenly you, you're just back to square one. Um, so I I can't see them being quick to to declare victory over this one at all. All right. So again, just briefly on politics, because Donald mm. Trump, of course, um, is going to make this an election issue next year if you've still got high interest rates in the United yeah. States. Uh, and uh, we know he's not a big fan of Jerome Powell, even though he, he basically appointed him. But, I mean, you know, central banks have, have a, I think Jerome Powell's got a quite quite a good way of just ignoring him anyway. Mm. But uh, the, the Trump brigade, you know, the quite sizable slug of the American population who believe every word that comes out of his mouth, uh, they're going to turn against the central bank. It's going to become a very politically contentious issue in the United States, uh, along with everything else, of course. But if interest rates are, are still high and people yeah. are feeling the hurt, then, uh, yeah, that's it's just going to get worse. Yeah, it's very easy to imagine the Fed becoming a bit of a, a political football. But in addition, do you remember those those happy days when, when Trump was president and he just started sending broadsides at the European Central Bank? Yes. And, 
you know, you saw some pretty sizable moves in, in the Euro around that time. Yeah, he could start, you know, lobbing grenades at all sorts of monetary authorities uh, around the world. So I think we need to uh, to brace for it. Right. But again, that just adds to the, uh, well, who knows what's going to happen next uh, argument. So you can you can be there saying, well, we know exactly the way the economy is going. Uh, you know, and analysts uh, are really just throwing things at a dartboard. They are a bit, and it's a, diff- <laughs> it's a difficult spot to 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 be in in terms of you know justifying your 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 wages, uh, but uh, yeah, you, you know, again, like you know, big big money managers that I speak to, you know, the the last thing they really want to say out loud is there's going to be lots of volatility and we don't know what's going to happen next. But really, that's the only thing that people are certain of at the moment. So. Is it all just interest rates? Just final question on all of this. Because, I mean, you know, I said we started, it was all transitory, wasn't it? And we know it was all supply-driven. And we know that, you know, that people had too mm. much too much money and so they were spending and they perhaps are still spending too much, uh, you know, as far as central banks are concerned. And we know that Katie Martin's behaviour is going to change enormously when she negotiates her, <laughs> yes. her mortgage Not in next a good year. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, less lattes in the city. Uh, so, um, so, I mean, that's that, that the world is going to change. Not a direct result of you, but everyone, everyone else getting in the in the same boat but that then that's the idea behind monetary policy of course but is it all down to to monetary policy is are we putting too much expectation because interest rates have gone up a lot in many parts of the world Mm. and it's still there it's still high and in some cases getting higher well funny I, i was speaking to uh to a fund manager about exactly this the other day and he was saying you know his entire career, and it's pretty lengthy, has been predicated on this idea that central banks matter, that interest rates matter, and that they are a key input into how inflation behaves and into how markets perform. And the you know the the opening nine months or so of this month say that's wrong. You, mm. you you've all got this completely wrong. Actually. Interest rates have got nothing to do with inflation. Maybe this has all been about China all along. And um, and uh, you know uh, and the performance of stock markets maybe it's got nothing to to do with you know adding five hundred basis points to the benchmark rate in in the US after all. So this is kind of the crunch point for him. This is this is the point where we decide either this matters or it doesn't. You know either the US economy starts to feel the effect of five hundred basis points of, of Fed tightening. Or it's never going to happen. And he's he's in the camp that says this does matter. There are just a bunch of reasons that we don't fully understand yet why this hasn't bitten yet. But that it's it just it, it it's too much of an intellectual leap for people to make to say the, the slowdown is never going to come and interest rates are never going to hurt. So um, it's a it's a very delicate juncture. But Hugh Pill was right about Table Mountain. Do you think? Oh yeah, I, I, and I think that is that is sinking in as a message mm. that you know that those those good old days are gone. Interest rates are going to be higher. Inflation is going to be more volatile, and uh, and and there's no getting away from that. Right now, that other podcast you were talking about that wouldn't be unhedged, would it? That would be unhedged. Yes, with with the young Ethan Wu, the brains behind the operation. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is an FT podcast, which comes out what twice a week. Just a moderate effort. You only do it twice a week, but you know, I'm sure you'll, uh, I'm sure you'll step up to the mark. Uh, but it's 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 worth a listen. And look, Katie, it's been great to have you on, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime soon. Pleasure, anytime. Let me know. Fantastic. That's the FT's Katie Martin. We will get her back on to the uh, morning call weekend edition fairly soon. Now, next weekend, uh, we're going to look at small business in Australia. How is it faring? How is it responding to this unusual environment? So join us for that, and join me next bright and early on Monday morning for the weekday edition of the morning call tapas will be joining me then i'm phil dobby for now i'll see you then thanks for listening the weekend edition